0: Welcome to Restaurant Influencers Powered by Entrepreneur and Yelp. My name is Sean Walchef, founder of Cali Barbecue Media. In life and in the restaurant business, we learn through lessons and stories. Today, we are broadcasting live from the Muertech Conference in Las Vegas. Multi-unit restaurant technology conference where all the greatest thinkers, greatest minds have gathered at the Paris Hotel to talk about technology and to talk about influence. I have one of the most influential men on earth in the hospitality space. I've been watching this man for the last two years do what we talk about every single week, which is smartphone storytelling. If you own a restaurant business and you want to expand your business, you need to learn how to use the technology that is in your pocket. Today we have the master himself, (laughs) Stratus Morfogan. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: So for the people that do not know who you are, I want to start with a question. Where in the world is your favorite stadium, stage, or venue?
1: My favorite stadium, stage, or venue, seeing a performance? Sure. To me, it was Roger Waters in Russia at Radio City. And then the police at my father's place and and you two at Malibu (laughs) nightclub. Did I answer your question? That answers my question. <laughs> the fir- the fir- but I, I got to remember, the police, I was 13 years old, but I, I mastered the art of sneaking through the delivery entrance, and I got in.
0: That's beautiful. The, fir- the first the first place, where was that? Um, the first stadium you mentioned.
1: Uh, so my father's place was in Roslyn, Long Island. I was yep. 13 years old. I heard about this group called the police. Yes. I was just starting to play drums, and I heard, and I heard they were playing at my father's place, which is 150 person capacity. Okay. And I... I I got down to uh, Roslyn, my mom thought I was basically sleeping, getting ready for like ninth grade. And I snuck in through the delivery entrance. And I watched right behind Stuart Copeland playing drums. So I did the same thing with at Malibu nightclub. There were about 300. And I I wanted to hear about WLIR's new, like, you know, um, screamer of the week. Oh, my God, how do I remember that? (laughs) Screamer of the week 1981 WLIR was, you know, was I will follow. Okay. And I went to Malibu nightclub. Because Malibu Sioux, actually, there's a great documentary on Showtime about this. OK, it's uh, it's the story of W.L.I.R. Wow. And th- th- this was a radio station in Garden City where I grew up that had the best damn music that we never heard before. And this is where they were playing the police and, you know, uh, um, uh, the pretenders and U2 and The Cure before they could ever make it to mainstream.
0: I love that. Yeah, it was really cool. So let's let's pretend that we are back at that place, that hundred and fifty seat intimate venue, and that we invite only the people that are the best of the best in the hospitality space, the best of the best. And for some reason, they don't know who you are. And you have one hundred and twenty seconds to mic drop and let us know who's Stratus. Can you put a question? Um,
1: You know, as I went through the process of writing this book, um, I realized that I've disrupted everything in my life and it goes back from the age of six. You know, when my, my parents were called into school when I was about seven or eight, they said, we think he has learning disabilities. He's fidgeting. He's not focused. He's not interested in anything that's going on in the classroom. And my father said, really interesting, maybe you're not teaching things he's interested in. My father always had my back. So one day he said, after he heard it for about a year, he says, I want you to come to the Chelsea chop house in Belarus, uh, Queens, where he's working right now as a busboy on weekends. And I want you, and I'm gonna hold a table for all of you, and I want you to come and see him on the floor. I want you to see him engaging with customers, telling what they're gonna eat tonight. I want you to see him telling the managers how to manage, and the busboys how to bus, and the waiters how to serve. And then you tell me if he's got a learning disability, because there's not one kid in this classroom that can do what he does on a Friday night when these kids are tucked away watching their cartoons. So you just can't judge a kid because he may not be interested in your type of teaching, but he's interested in something else. And that was me. I, I, I was I, I was brought into the real world at a young age. I was at the Fulton Fish Market at six years old.
0: You know, I was there.
1: I learned that you know, you, if you don't park your car the proper way, there's an ice pick in the back of your car, you know, in the back of your tire. I, I grew up that way. And, and to me, I wouldn't change a thing because it made me smarter. And like I said, you know, Universities fail students. Well, first of all, we're the only society that allows $150,000 in debt, but there's not $25,000 for a startup, meaning student loans. Everything about universities is backwards. They teach you to be a VP in the status quo. As soon as I understood that, and I understood that about 12 years old, I knew that was never gonna be for me, and playing beer pong at fraternities was not for me. I wanted to be in business, and I loved my dad's business. He had about nine restaurants at one time. And then, and that was it. You know, for me, I've always disrupted everything I've done. They asked, uh, I got in-school suspension. They asked me to, uh, at 11 years old, they asked me to explain the economy in 2,000 words. I did it in 20. I said that there's a product that the <laughs> consumer needs, there's a product, and then there's supply, and then there's demand. I swear to God, I wrote that at 11 years old. And they suspended me for in-school suspension because wow. I refused to give them 2,000 words. Now, there came my father again. My father goes, "Can I read what the other kids wrote?" And he's like, "Are you guys joking me? This guy explained it to you in twenty words. He should be getting a prize, not in school suspension." Yes, and that—that was my upbringing.
0: Well, you—you refuse to answer my question. I asked <laughs> you for one
1: hundred and twenty <laughs> seconds of, of you, your, of you got your about entire career. That's right. But, but, it goes right
0: over my head. No, but <laughs> the—that's the beauty of why we do this podcast. That's why I love what we're doing. You know, having conversations like this with people that are. Really moving the needle for our industry. Give people a quick background of the breadth of projects that you're working on, from NFTs to publishing this book to running Brooklyn Dumpling Shop to the Automat to all of the things. Give yeah. a, give give us a, a, a synopsis.
1: Well, you know, um, just well, we could talk about the last two years. Um, you know, I had a twelve million dollar a year restaurant with Brooklyn Chop House, and that was January, February, 2020. And then in 22, I had nothing. I had a place doing 800,000 a year in deliveries. Yeah. So I, I, I lost everything. I mean, to me, it was like I figured I, this was gonna be something I've never seen before. But what I did do, and this is probably the most exciting part that I, what I accomplished the last two years, is I, I said to my partners, I, I, want to, I want to be able to tell my grandkids that during COVID 2020, I did something. Um, my capitalism will come later, but what first I started doing was feeding healthcare heroes. Uh, New York Presbyterian was right next door. I started sending surf and turf lobsters and steaks and wine and cheesecakes and sending them there unannounced. Yeah, it said Brooklyn Chophouse on the bag. And then all of a sudden, thank you Brooklyn Chophouse, Brooklyn Chophouse thank you hashtag started going viral because we added now three, three other hospitals. That's about what I could afford. Yeah. I just got tanked, I lost everything. So with that, New York Post had said something like hero of the day, blah, 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 because this is March 27, 2020. We were up to about a thousand meals a week, 800 meals a week. That's amazing. And then with that article, which was, I don't believe in, you know, I don't believe in exposing charity, but it was great because Cisco called me, Genius Cheesecake, Boss Water, uh, Four or Five Coffee. They all started calling me, hey, how can we help? We read this article, we want to help. And people were calling me about GoFundMe pages. I, said, I don't want GoFundMe, we're all hurting. Yeah. I don't need GoFundMe. What I do need is when we do open, You come and visit our restaurant so I can hire my staff back. But until then, we started doing meals and within about five months, we were almost 9000 meals complimentary to about 19 hospitals. And this is the same time that Mayor De and Comrade Cuomo were saying to us that guys like Danny Meyer should be the ones we should be looking at. And Danny used to be a friend of mine until he got exposed. He was the first to shut down, the first to lay off. And the first to basically say, give me $10 million because I got 105 million of cash on hand and I have a $2 billion market cap. Mm -hmm. And these are what the politicians are saying are our leaders. Well, I knew that there was a big void in leadership and hospitality, and I was going to step in because I knew that I could do a better job. And hearing that these guys are our leaders kind of made my stomach turn. I read his book, his book was great. But when I found out he did that and Boycott Shake Shack went um, viral, and I'm not here to beat him down, but these are the things we need to learn from COVID. That in times of need, hospitality hospitality stands up and, and forgets about capitalism for a moment and, give, and, and, and support the people that are, I mean, these guys and women, from janitors to maids to doctors to nurses, I saw what was going on there. 18, 20 hours a day in a war room yeah. where they catch this thing and bring it back to their family. It was like a death sentence to everyone and they were out there keeping us safe. So that was the thing I did and I'm most proud of. To get back to your question regarding business, because we're talking business now, landlords were calling me every week, and they're saying, hey, I've got an opportunity. Would you take this space? Would you take this space? And at that point, you know, this was probably about April, 2020. And I'm like, Times Square, 25,000 feet, a Buffalo Wild Wings just handed in the keys. I said, Mr. Friedland, I said, listen, I have a lot of respect for you. He's probably the biggest landlord on Madison and Fifth Avenue. I said, but that's not a deal for me. He goes, well, how do we make this deal? Because I believe Buffalo Wild Wings could be a great Brooklyn shop house. I said, I'm going to write down things because I went to go see it. It was magnificent. 50-foot ceilings, rooftop bar. Not for me. I'm a little guy. That's for public companies like Buffalo Wild Wings. And they had just turned in the lease, and they were paying $2 million a year rent. Not for me, not for me. And they had $5 million guarantee on the lease. Wow. Not for me, way out of my league. So he goes, write down what you want. So Rick Friedland says, I always wanted to be in business with you since you own Philippe Chow. I always wanted to do something with you. I'm I'm glad you're out of that place. That place has crashed. Now with Brooklyn Chop House, I want to do something with you. I said, well, here's my deal. 8% straight lease, no base. $35,000 base after year three, a COVID clause for any reason that the government shuts, any kind of government in the future, any kind of shutdown in capacity, in hours, in any any way that I'm somewhat stymied from running my business, and business interruption insurance doesn't cover it, we revert to 8% straight lease, no base. So if I went from $12 million a year in sales and I go down to 500,000 in deliveries, it's 8% of the 500 grand. I want a 20 year lease, and I'm only giving you a good guy guarantee for two months of the base rent, which equals seventy thousand dollars. He's like, wow, I just got to. And the cap is one million dollars on the rent. So now, <laughs> if I do ten million, it's eight hundred thousand. Yes. If I do fifteen million, it's one million. Yes. If I do thirty million, it's one million. The million stays as a cap on the eight percent. I figured he was going to say to me, Stratus, great seeing you. Have a good day. Bye bye. Stay safe. Wear your mask. Get out. He says, give me your lawyer's name. Let's do it. And then I got a million dollars in T.I. Be careful what you ask for. (laughs) Be careful what you ask for. I've said that term. (laughs) No, no, no. I've said that term 100 times during COVID. Seriously. Be be careful careful.
0: what you ask for. Because literally you built the automat. You built built the antithesis. Now you have two competing businesses. (laughs) What kind of. Right. Well, listen, but so. let's, let's talk about it because it's so important to what we do, why we do this show. I mean, we, I'm wearing a hat that says digital hospitality. Mm-hmm. I just I listened to your speech about digital hospitality. I love it. It's the frustration, it's the pain point. Yep. With our industry understanding, we're not talking about losing jobs, we're talking about empowering the guest experience. Using technology, using the thing that's in my pocket, the thing that's in your pocket, to empower people, to give them back time, mm-hmm. to no longer discriminate how they eat their food. Why is this important?
1: Uh, that was an incredible question because that's where we're giving them back their time. We're letting people, especially the TikTok generation, they don't want to be talking to me and they want to order on their time. They want to say at four in the morning, as I leave this bar, I want to go pick up my dumplings and spring rolls. And, and basically I want it waiting for me. And when I get there, I want to scan my phone, take it out and be in and out in 30 seconds. Remember, the benchmark was four to six minutes in hospitality, you got a winner. Yeah. We're doing it in 30 seconds, not because we're faster, we're just using technology. Unbelievable. So, I mean, so what happened here with the dumplings became such a big hit at Brooklyn Chophouse, um, I, I, I wanted to do a fast food version of it. And I wanted to study not just why the Automat by Horn and Harded succeeded, I wanted to understand why it failed. And after doing about 800,000 meals a day, they failed in the 70s because technology failed the Automat. there were not dollar bill receivers. They were not credit card processors. You had to wait online and get nickels and quarters, wait online, put them in the thing, and basically get your food out of a little window. Great. I love that model because I'm seeing that model as there's no cashiers. No cashiers to be found and no logistical personnel behind it. So I'm loving it. But then why did it fail in the 70s? Is because there was no technology. And a couple of people tried to do it. And another reason, like I didn't explain at my, at my session, is that they created wall-to-wall automat. Now that's a problem. People don't want to have a relationship with a tin can. What I've done is I've created half the room is an automat, which has about 24 lockers, and the other half is a glass kitchen. So now you could actually see the product being made, and that anxiety, especially now with COVID, the anxiety of the product being handled is gone. You know, now you're back to hey, look at that—they're making dumplings. Look at that kitchen is active. People are cooking. Da 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 da. And my relationship is with my phone. And that little cubby. Yeah. That's it. I don't need to see, speak, or hear anyone. Everything's now being done on my time. I'm the consumer. And that's the beauty of this model. And with that, it becomes economics. I don't need cashiers. Same way we don't need toll booth clerks. You know, and I, I've been jumping up and down now for three years telling our industry, why is there a goddamn cashier in this restaurant?
0: It doesn't make any sense. It makes no
1: sense. It makes no sense. And, and, and that alleviates two issues. One you can't find staff, and two is Seven out of 10 are going out of business because of excessive payroll. Yeah. Now they're going out of business because they can't find payroll. Yeah. Compound that, compound that together and you've got a failure.
0: Why is being vocal? So one of the things that we're trying to teach restaurant owners and people in the hospitality mm-hmm. business is entrepreneurship is so it's so fucking hard. It's so hard to open up a business. You do such a good job. People do such a good job. If you open up a business telling their story in real life. In real life, you have to convince your significant others. You have to convince the bank. You got to convince investors. You got to convince employees. Mm-hmm. You got to convince so many people that tell you you're crazy. You've yeah. lost your mind. Yeah. But then, when it comes to telling your story online,
1: yeah,
0: using all these different social these free gifts that we've been getting free gifts building on the backs of giants. I don't have to go create TikTok. I don't have to create Twitter. I don't have to create Instagram. They're already there for us. Very good point. What did you do? Where when was your unlock with technology? Because we all have such complicated relationships with our phone, with technology, with the Internet. When was your unlock that you needed to be a voice for the brand?
1: Um, are we talking about years ago or now? Right now. OK, because years ago, I would say that I stole the one. <laughs> I, 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 t- I, t- I take I it out that. of the womb. We've always had a voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 19, I'll tell you a 1997 story. Please do. I, 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 I started buying keywords on Excite, Yahoo yes. and AOL. One of the keywords was flour. So I'm building FultonStreet.com, which is like an Omaha Steaks for seafood. And uh, I get a call from Jim McCann from 1-800-Flowers. He goes, fuck you. Can I say that? I don't sure. know. <laughs> sure, He's like, you're gonna hear from my lawyers. I said, whoa, 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 who's this? He's like, I'm Jim McCann. I'm the CEO founder of 1-800-Flowers. And I just found out today that you took my word flour. <laughs> I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You said you own the word flower? Yeah, that's news to me. Because you own it. I own it. <laughs> and I just paid $24 for it. Yeah. Where was your marketing department on the on the floors of Westbury? Correct. So make a long story short, I go to his office because Mitchell my, Modell is my partner at the time, he Goes, Stratus, why are you burning bridges? I'm not burning bridges. I'm smarter than they are. I got the word. I have got a staff of three. He's got a staff of 350 and I got the word flower. There's something yeah. wrong with that. Correct. So he should re-examine his business. Stop calling me these words. So make a long story short, I said, how are you doing on Father's Day? When we got to his office, he says, look at this guy, wise ass, you know, you know, it's my worst <laughs> holiday. I got the solution. Lobster tails, lobster bisque, Tito cake, two filet mignons, steak knife, Peter Luger steak sauce. And we make it as a Father's Day package with two big steak knives. But I want FultonStreet.com to have a homepage right on your homepage. I want that to be linked to my site, to your offerings, and then to my site. He brought in like three guys, make a long story short, I got 18,000 orders the first unbelievable. Father's Day. 18,000 unbelievable. orders. And then after that, I got another 15,000 for Christmas. That's unbelievable. Because we did a, a, we did a dad's like a masculine gift instead of flowers. To make a long story short, that $24 was a pretty big investment because he grossed about 4 million dollars in online sales in 1997
0: to 2000. So when you talk about that period and you see where we are now and you're about to launch this NFT project, mm-hmm. what are the parallels?
1: The same. I, I, back in 97, when I had conversations with traditional retailers, all they had was a static business card and they called that their website. And I'd say, no. I said, you had such a huge advance. Like my story with Models, I said, you have 125 stores. You can use these as same day deliveries, returns. I mean, you are way ahead of Amazon. You can like really grab market share if you take this thing called the internet serious, and they never did, and a lot of them are all bankrupt today because they never took it serious. They never thought this medium would work. I say the same thing about NFT and the metaverse. If you don't, I just trademarked all my brands on the metaverse. If you don't take the metaverse and and NFTs seriously, you're going to be left behind again. We never le- We in hospitality never learn from our mistakes. We yeah. never learn from history. And that's the unfortunate thing. But in return, it leaves op- big opportunities for the ones that do, that do take it serious.
0: What's the difference between Greek hospitality, what you were raised on, and digital hospitality?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. So when I created FultonStreet.com, Customers.com rated as best in customer service with Southwest Airlines, Amazon, and Wells Fargo. We had three employees working on an AOL server. That's and we were up there with them. You know what my answer was? There's this computer screen. And our goal at Fulton Street, that's where I got entrepreneur of the year, and it was crazy. I had three employees working on AOL. We were working on an AOL server. In the background, you hear <laughs> You hear the modem turning on, and we're talking customer service. But I was doing it all with three people. And, um, and our mission was to break down that computer screen, put our hand through the screen, and shake the customer's hand. How can we do that? We can do that with a nice fluffy email as soon as they order. And don't make it like a computer response. Hi, my name is Stratus Morfogan. I'm here to help you. Blah, blah, blah. Here's my cell phone number if you have any questions regarding your order. Boom. There was no more screen. It was done. And Patricia Sebald caught on that in 1999. And she blew my company up because she said, you guys are complaining because you don't have money like Amazon and Southwest and all these big companies because you're blaming their wealth and their infrastructure on why they can give good service on this new medium called the Internet. Well there's Fulton Street run by this guy, Stratus. He's got three employees on an AOL server, and it was the best customer service I got yep. on this thing called the web. Yep. And that's what it's about.
0: That is what it's about. For us in the hospitality business, especially, you know, for our barbecue business, we became a digital first barbecue business. We've always believed we, we wouldn't be open. We opened in 2008. It literally we had to rely on the Internet when we were failing. We had to use every app possible to get people to care about our brand, to care about mm-hmm. what we were doing. So people talk about pivoting during the pandemic. We didn't pivot. We went all in. Correct. And in order to go all in, we needed technology
1: partners. And, a- Toast, and, you, and, and you needed to already have your foundation. Correct. In place. Correct. So and, you're, you're you're not the norm.
0: Correct. And Toast was able, who's the title sponsor of this podcast. They were the title sponsor. of of, of of used Well, there you go. You use Toast. Let's for the people that are listening. And I know because we have the same digital heartbeat, explain to the restaurant owner who doesn't have a primary technology partner why there's literally if they if they get nothing else from this, they have to prioritize that.
1: Well, they've got to move everything to mobile. I'm trying to make this as basic as possible. Because to me, we we, we did this yes. years ago. Got to move everything to mobile. You got to take your social media serious. And like, and one advice I give all restaurateurs: I, I usually fall asleep with my phone in my hand when I go to bed at night, and it can be three or four in the morning. I'll sleep my five hours, and I'm back on my phone. Yep. But I'm answering customers. Yep. i I'm, I'm not on there like, hey buddy, what's up? What are we doing? No, Jane Smith in Idaho just said I'm interested in what this surf and turf LSD means. I'm answering it at three in the Correct. morning because I refuse to outsource it to a third-party company. There that, that, that which is really makes it very cost-effective, but I'm <laughs> doing it on my own. And now because I am growing very large, I got two people helping me. Yep. But when it comes to actual, I, I, I'm, I mean, they try to get there before me. Now it's a competition <laughs> and they can't win because I'm there I'm at three in the morning. Correct. And then one guy says last week, he's funny, he goes, wow, man, I just sent a thing at three in the morning and you guys are answering. I'm going to tell Stratus, you guys are amazing. I'm like, this is Stratus. He's like, yeah, what? Correct. I'm like, this is Stratus. Correct. He's like, no way. Send me a picture right now that this is Stratus. Done. Yeah. Th- this is Stratus at three in the morning answering you. And if you don't have that kind of passion and if you don't have that kind of determination and commitment, there's no reason to stick. Stick with the fax machine.
0: So. There's something interesting that you said during your talk. And a gentleman asked what kept you up at night? And I loved your answer. But what I'm more interested in, not what keeps you up at night, but what pulls you out of bed in the morning?
1: Um, Creating. I mean, I love to create. I I mean, you know, I got to tell you, writing this book that I just finished, finished it a few days ago, um, I didn't realize how many parallel stories I have and it didn't matter if I was six years old or 54 years old. They were all related with one type of mindset. I will not accept the status quo. I will not listen to you. And I'm going to do things on my way. And if I fail, it's OK to fail. You know, there's a, some, what they teach in universities is that you can't fail. I'm, I'm telling you to fail in your 20s, even in your 30s. You no, know, during COVID, I taught at Lehigh University Zoom classes. And, one, and it's a great story. So this girl says to me, my dad is 64 years old. He had an Italian restaurant for 35 years and he failed. Uh, I said, What do you mean he failed? So well, COVID, you know, he had to shut down. I go, so he didn't fail. These idiot politicians that never ran a lemonade stand like de Blasio and Cuomo took it away from him. But he didn't fail. They said, Well, I appreciate that. But he's in full depression. And I'm afraid I'm going to lose my dad. I said, really? He doesn't get out of bed. He goes, lays on the couch. He feels like his life is worthless at 64 years old. And I said, interesting. But he had a restaurant for 35 years. She's like, yeah, it was an Italian restaurant on the Upper East Side. I know the name, but I'm not gonna mention it. And I said, listen, Linda, I think her name was. I said, go tighten your, tighten your boot, sharpen the, the, the boot a little bit, go there and kick him in the ass. Cause I could tell him 25 landlords that want to speak to him and that will put up all the money to get his beloved business back on because your father is worthy. Why? He's got intellectual property. Yeah. And those fucking politicians can't take that away. They can take away your restaurant, they can take away your livelihood, they can even take away your health, but they can't take away your intellectual property. And that's what I told her. And then the conversation was done until three months later, I got an invite to go to his new restaurant and the landlord that I introduced him to Put up $400,000 for a gen, second generation. Remember, landlords have empty restaurants. Yep. But you know what they want to speak to? They want to speak to the one that has a 35-year track record. Correct. That's as good. You take that to the bank. Yep. And this guy thought his life was over at 64 because he lost his beloved business. And these are stories that are important to get out of inspiration. And when you think your life is done, because I've been there. I've been there. 2014 was a rough year for me. I've been there. And I always say, as soon as you're about to give up, is when the miracle happens. And you know what? I just happened to do a class that day at Lehigh. She asked me the question, and three months later, her father's back in a suit and tie and feels that the world is his. And that to me, that's why I keep doing universities because the stuff you learn from students is incredible because they were pushed into universities. My daughter's a senior at UM. I had nothing wrong with theory. Yeah. But she just told me she, I, she, now that she's graduating in May. She's like, daddy i want to come work with you yeah you know, i get it i get it because there's nothing like being your own boss yeah but you know what we have to we have to fail to succeed and that's what they don't teach in universities
0: so if you guys want to reach out to me at any point it's at sean p walcheff on all the social handles you can email the show sean at calibbq.media what's your favorite digital playground where, where are you most where, where are you checking first? When, when Instagram. you wake up, when you wake up and so I'm, I'm still 54 years old, So he's going on IG, right? IG first. Yeah, my, then, my,
1: my kids are all TikTok. They won't even let me have their accounts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're going to put links uh, so you can purchase his book into the show notes. Um, links to all of his social handles for all of the businesses. Stratus, you uh, you truly are a gift. I hope you continue to be loud. I hope you continue to teach. I hope you continue to disrupt. I hope you continue to give back to this industry. Uh, I'm grateful that you're playing the game within the game, but not only doing it selfishly, you're abundantly giving it by sharing, spending time with us today. So it's really nice.
1: I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. It was awesome. Thanks.